Hello and welcome to Business Fine Podcasts. In this episode, Arusha Ahmed and I, Vinay Kamath, have a conversation with Mr. Sanjeev Mehta, Managing Director and CEO of Hindustan Unilever, who retires sports the company AGM on June 26, 2023. Mehta has been with Unilever for 31 years, 10 as the head of HUL, having taken over in 2013. Mehta leaves behind a rich legacy with turnover up by 2.3x, operating margins up by 3.5 times, and market cap up by a factor of 6 to rupees 6.38 lakh crore. In this conversation, he talks about the big changes he brought into HUL's functioning, and also about the macro picture on the consumption story. Mehta's biggest legacy in HUL is the winning in many India strategy that he implemented, which essentially means different products and communication in different markets. He also put HUL on the digital pathway and developed its ability to deep dive into data. Mehta says retirement doesn't mean he will be hanging off his boots, but merely changing socks. He will be active on the Air India board as well as on the Denon board for now. Do listen in to this fascinating conversation. So, Sanji, how do you look back on your decade as the, as the MD? I mean, there have been lots of highs and, uh, of course, the company has gone hugely up in revenues and market cap some 70 billion so it's a matter of great pride and achievement so how do you look back what have been the highs and lows yeah yeah it's uh, you know first is a good deal of satisfaction a lot of gratitude as an Indian to run Hindustan Unilever is a big privilege in life. so that's where a huge amount of gratitude comes in and would also be thankful to Unilever for the, the manner in which they trained me for this job. Yeah, I have now been CEO for 21 years. So I was a CEO for 11 years before I came into this job. And they first gave me a job of a turnaround business in Bangladesh. Then they gave me a highly competitive market, which was uh, CEO and chairman of Philippines. Then they gave me regional responsibilities to run the business in North Africa, Middle East. So, whether it was serendipity or there was a very clear sense in the madness that they trained me beautifully when I came into this job. And... uh, Hindustan Unilever, you know, when we were growing up, we used to read about Dr. Ganguly and Mr. Thomas. And they were... And Prakash Tandon. Prakash Tandon's books I have read, yeah. Train to Punjab and all. Yeah. They were iconic leaders. So stepping into the shoes, it was a big moment. I always... We were out of the country for 21 years, Vinay, but I always remain in touch with it. I used to read everything about India, even when those days, you know, the net was not as pervasive as it is today. So anyone going to India, they would come back, I would give them a list of books and a list of magazines, and I would devote them. No list of Indian snacks. No list of Indian snacks. And uh, so I was in touch with what's happening in so once came here, I had a unique advantage. I was not from HUL. 
but I was Indian and a Unilever person. So I had a great inside-outside perspective. So there were no holy cows for me. I could come and challenge everything. So before I came here, Vinay, I had sent to my management committee members two months in advance what I would like to see as my induction. I think cumulatively there were more than 800 slides, 8,000 slides of what I had to go through as part of my induction with different businesses, with different functions. And my first few months was just meeting the stakeholders. I met the analysts. I met the shareholders. I met the competitors. I met the customers. I met the consumers. I met the employees. And being an Indian, even going to the market visits, I could go incognito and without anyone to accompany me. And my wife was still in Dubai then. She moved in uh, 2014. So the first six months was fully devoted to understanding the business. And the first big move we did was when I realized that, or it dawned really, one always knew that India is such a heterogeneous country. But when it dawned that the 20 countries of Middle East, North Africa had more in common than the 29 states of India, that is when we introduced the concept of winning, winning in many years. So that's how we hit upon it. That has proven to be a source of serious competitive advantage. That was the first big move. And Which year did you introduce that? We ex- See, when I came in here, that thought blossomed in the first six months when I did my deep dives. But it was such a big move that one had to first do an experiment. And we did the experiment in the second half of 14 in Chennai when Prabhan Narsimhan was the regional manager of it. Oh, okay. So what we did is we had different strategies for the different states of our southern branch. For Tamil Nadu different, Karnatak different, Kerala different, Andhra different. And in six months time it was very apparent this is the way to go. But all this preceded the deep analytics we have now. So So I'll tell you. So when we decided that we will go down the route of winning in many Indians, then it dawned that a brand manager, instead of working on one strategy, will now have to work on 15 strategies. So they'll be overwhelmed. That's when the first big digital data analytics project started called LiveWire. LiveWire was... In 2015. 2015. When it was about pulling together disparate information from different sources, retail audit, consumer panel, primary data, secondary data, and providing information to our employees at a keystroke. And ability to slice and dice. That's how LiveWire started. And LiveWire, today is such a potent weapon. It's gone through different versions. It has been rolled out 
across Unilever. That was the beginning of starting to think about, and that was also a phase, 15, 16, when the entry of Geo was happening. The cost of data was coming down, and I could very clearly foresee that data and technology will become center stage. That's when we started reimagining HUL. And initially, we started by not having my management committee members in the team. We started by bringing in managers who were tech savvy, who were believers that digitization is going to be all-encompassing. And we started first random experiments. Then it reached a stage in a year or two that we had 80 plus experiments running in the company. Then we joined the dots and identified where in a value chain we need to do more. Then we formalized the digital council and that was the beginning of the journey. And the HUN of today is significantly different from the HUL of the past. Look at our Shikhar app. It has got 1.2 million retailers, the most adopted app. Oh, that's huge. In the country today. Or look at the Pala factory. The first lighthouse factory for digital and sustainability by the World Economic Forum. The first factory in the country. Mm -hmm. Or you look at Achanakya, which is our Google, which if you ask questions, Chanakya will tell you what actions you need to take. So that's an app as well? Yes. Yeah. Or our AI hub today, where we are able to monitor the trends that are taking place across the world, estimate with reasonable degree of accuracy when they'll come to India, is... Put a price on how big those trends would be. Then we have 3D printers where we are able to make prototypes, do simulation on computers, and crash the lead time. Then we have models like Jarvis, which allows us to play the different variables of FMCG and optimize them across categories and across the clusters. That's amazing. So our digitization, so if you were to ask me amongst many things, what is something which I'm very proud of? One is winning in many India. You know how winning in many India comes alive? If you take Brookborn tea, same pack. Depending on where you stay, the blends are different. If you take Surfixil, depending on the hardness of the water, the formulation is different. If you take Lux, same pack, same price, same color, perfumes are different. Perfumes are different. Depending on the consumer preference in different parts of the country. So, it is, that's how we are brought. Then, you know, also understanding that vernacular is going to be a big play in India. Yeah, you can't have bad words just in Hindi and English. So, winning in, in many India allows us to do that. Craft different communication for different parts of the country. And our strategies are distinct. In south of India, our thrust is 
on converting uh, penetration of liquids has gone up significantly. Liquid detergents. So it is all in the south. In south. In other parts of India, it is about converting people from bars to powders. In some parts of India, it is about converting people from basic powders to powders which are enzymatic. So, it's a very different... So, that means your analytics even takes into consideration income levels, spends, consumption habits. Completely. Because South, obviously, probably the incomes are higher and the transition The behaviors are different. The categories are in a different stage of evolution. The strategy has to be very different. You mentioned this during your analyst call in, in, for this quarter as well. So what exactly, sir, are you doing to you know push consumers from bars to, you know, you said detergent? Yeah. So, you know, we have a very comprehensive market development program where we reach 100 million households every year. We go to consumer homes, educate consumers, make them experience the brands and then after a few months follow it up. Behavior change is never easy. So it's actual feet on the ground. It's actual feet on the ground. There are thousands of people. Okay. It's a whole ecosystem. So one end is digital, other end is actual traditional feet on the ground. So I always talk about that we are going to be a business with high tech and high touch both going together. So you, you would say these have been the kind of the high points of your tenure, though. You know, the way it is, uh, Vinay, uh, if I look at the formula for uh, making a business high performance, first is your total axis of growth. And in growth, the first important bit is mindset. The belief that you can grow and win. Second is you need to have a portfolio. Portfolio which is future fit. So both organically and inorganically, we have boosted the portfolio. Today, there is this market development cells whose turnover is over 10,000 crores, which didn't exist 10 years back. And they're all future-facing portfolios. Then we have acquired some fabulous brands in Duleka. Then we acquired Aditya Milk. Yeah. Then we acquired Wewash. Then of course we had the big merger of GSK. Last fiscal year we had Oziva and Wellbeing Nutrition. So these are all future facing portfolio. Yeah. So this is this then we have also ensured that the gaps that existed in a portfolio we have plucked. So this is entire thing is on growth. And the second dimension is how do you build distinctive capabilities which are hard to replicate? Where Vimy and Reimagine HUL yeah, with a vision of making HUL the most intelligent consumer goods enterprise. The third important bit is what I call as a high performance in art which is ensuring, strengthening our employer brand with an employer of choice across sectors. Our performance culture, that has to be extremely strong. 
a fetish for execution that has to get strengthened yeah the clarity on strategy across the product portfolio across consumer clusters that has been brought in so i think across all these three axes i would look back and applaud the team they have done an amazing work absolutely amazing work so any unfinished agenda which you want to pass oh, on to you would sector? you would uh, vinay you would always feel wish i had done more yeah business is a continuum and uh, our desire is that this is a company which has remained a, which has been a market leader you know since it was formed by aggregating some of the trading enterprises of uh, unilever way back in 30s and we would like hul to continue as a market leader several decades, scores of decades going forward one is on the business side yeah where we have increased our turnover by 2.3x yeah we have increased our operating margins the beta margin by nearly 800 pips or nearly 3 and a half times of what it existed then and the market cap by a factor of 6 over the last 10 years yeah it's a 75 billion dollar is the market cap but i think i'm also very satisfied with the work we have done on the environment and the social side water is a big issue in the country yes, absolutely yeah and uh, water i don't think as much square inch of space is given in the newspapers to the water problem as it ought to because water is one thing when you get water you don't value It's only when the taps run dry, yeah, we know it. घर में in Chennai we are very acutely aware of. जब पानी खत्म हो जाता है, then there is desperation in the home, right. right? Yeah. And if you look at our business, our business runs on water, whether it is brushing your teeth or washing your washing hair, clothes, washing clothes, your clothes, or utensils, or bathing. Yeah. Yeah, your products are present across. Across. so we started around uh, 2010 2011 we set up a foundation focusing on water when i came in those were the early days and we said we have to double down on this we can't be a bystander and we can't be just staring at the problem we are an integral part of society and we have to be part of a solution rather than part of a just be gazing at the problem so over the last 10 years uh, when we have created a water potential on the demand and supply side of what is saving what you call as 2.6 trillion liters how has this been achieved is both on demand and supply side yeah whether it is rainwater harvesting whether it is uh, fixing the structures yeah dams and canals which had uh, either not there or created them or helping the farmers on the demand side you know using the right kind of crops rather than using water intensive crops when you have uh, water scarce scarcity in the so we work in over uh, nearly 14 15000 villages okay the foundation does the foundation does with several ngos uh, 2.6 trillion liters is uh, 
equivalent to the drinking water needs of the entire population for two years. That's the scale with which we have been able to make an impact. Have you tried to experiment with your products to make them less water intensive as well? Absolutely. Today, Vinay, when we look at innovation, I call it the sweet spot of innovation, which is you need to have a superior product where you're able to meet the unmet needs of consumers. The second axis is it has to be affordable. And the third is it has to be sustainable. So we have products which consume less water. For instance, for cleaning clothes, you require less rinsing. And that's our thrust going forward. How do we meet the three axes of sweet innovation? The other big thing is uh, when you look at it from a gender balance perspective, is uh, we were 18% people in management. Now we are about 45% people in management. In another couple of years, we'll be gender balanced. And now we are casting eyes on blue-collar workers and in our sales force on the field, distributor salespeople. We have a project going which is Ahilias, where we have about 1,000 saleswomen. We set up a Sumerpul factory in Bundel Khand and UP, which is gender balanced. A few weeks back, I had gone there. We inaugurated last year virtually. And uh, I went there, and I was so pleased to see in a backward region of UP, passionate women employees and the gender balanced factory. What does this factory make? Oh, it's a multi. It is, uh, it's making detergent powder, personal wash, multi-category factory. It's a fabulous factory, state of the art, highly digitized. Only manned by women or? No, no, I'm saying gender balanced. balanced. We have a 100% manned unit in Haridwar, which makes lacquer. Yeah, from a factory manager to the blue collar, everyone is a woman. That's been a big shift. The genesis of Shikhar is, we were at a, a top 50 leaders meeting in London. And each one of us was to craft a vision. And there were painters outside who you keep telling them the vision and they would paint it on a piece of paper. And I still have that painting with me. And that was the time, this was way back in 2015, I created a vision of Apni Duka. That is the consumer. You go to the, go through your laptop, put your area, and up will pop the groceries in your neighborhood. You select your grocery of choice, place the order. The grocer will send a person in a bicycle or a foot in 20 minutes, send you the products, and collect. Said that would be our way of, as an antidote to the new age competitors who were coming in. So for three years, we kept experimenting with it and different versions. And the stickiness was not there because a consumer would say, "Ki my phone may order place karte and the retailer was not enthusiastic about having a system where people place this through the net and someone is there to monitor it and immediately send it. And we used to keep promoters inside the store to 
convince the shoppers to place an order and to convince the retailer to have a system in place to service the orders and all. We kept at it. So there was some tipping point. We kept at it. Yeah. And during the digital council, I would keep reviewing it every month. And uh, we changed the technology. We put in good bucks of money behind it. But it never gave us the dividend what it did. Then one day, my smart team from customer development come and say, let's pivot. Rather than B to B to C, let's make it B to B. We pivoted. The first version of Shikha was launched. We went to the store again, explained to them. It took a hell of a long time to convince them that, guys, between the two trips of a salesman, if you run out of stocks, you can place the order. And we will be customizing the assortment for you. But they were not happy about that. Mm-hmm. And it took us a lot of convincing. The they the wanted, of the they wanted to see. And we had said we are not removing the salesman. But what you don't need, you know, there are two big constraints for a retailer. One is the space. The other is money. And we said, you can optimize both through Shikhar. Yeah, because you don't need to have more inventories. Depth of inventory, you could have wider assortment. And you need to have lesser money blocked in because you can place an order whenever you run out of stock. Don't carry much inventories. Under belief ki servicing there se hogi, it will be out of stock or a salesman may not visit. But the stickiness was still not there. It did better than Amara Shop which was a new name for Rapni Dukan. But it wasn't really moving at the way at which we wanted till COVID happened. And there is an opportunity lurking in every challenge. And then it skyrocketed. Today, we are getting thousands of crores of sales every month through Shikhar. And 1.2 million, the most adopted app. It's in several languages. And we customize the assortment. And the backend is able to service. Oh, and then we have rejigged the backend. And we started the experiment in Chennai. In fact, at some stage, you should go and see our Samadhan Center. Where we have a highly technology-driven fulfillment center. Mm -hmm. Where the orders from the app goes directly to our Samadhan Center. Where the break bulk... The order picking, packing is done and directly sent to the retailer. So these are large warehouses? These are very large fulfillment centers. State of the art. State of the art. All over the country. You know, we started with Chennai. Chennai. Now it's moving across different parts and we'll have a different version. Metros will have highly automated and in other, there will be the lesser version. Because... You know, look at it like this, that in the old system, a salesman would come on the preordained days. He'll come every Monday or every Friday. And then if the retailer knows that today, HUL ka salesman aane wala hai, they would place the order and the salesman would then, the, the distributor would supply the goods after three days. But when you have an app and you want to place an order whenever you want, then you also expect the company to deliver it the next day. Otherwise, how would you compete with the new edge players? So we had to rejig the entire backend system. More just in time. 
That's right. So between, and the benefits are immense. Because instead of having your inventories over different distributor points, now you have centralized. So you can work with higher service level, lower inventories, and be able to deliver at speed. So it's proving to be... But doesn't it increase costs to the back end? You, you know, then what we have also done is adjusted the distributor margin. Not the distributor profit, but the distributor cost that they were incurring on their back end. So they also have less holding costs. Yes. And they don't have to do the highly labor-intensive work of picking, packing, and distributing to several retailers. We do it with high degree of precision. So what's happening to the overall consumption story? I mean, has it, has it come rolling back? Rural is still tepid? Yeah. So, so let me just stop back and reflect. Uh, first is, Vinay, normally you would see in our industry that you have one particular commodity inflation happening. Yeah, it could be sometimes farm oil, farm oil. sometimes it could be the fuel, gas price going up, which has an impact on all fossil fuel-based chemical derivatives, etc. But this time, it was inflation across the board. And there were quarters when our net material inflation crossed 20%. And if you look at the market last year, the total value growth of the whole, say for a year ending March, value growth was 8%. The volume growth was minus 4 The difference was the price growth. Price increases here. Yeah, about 11-12%. But if you de-average it, if you look at urban, urban was about 11% value growth and your volume growth was nearly flat, minus one. If you look at rural, the value growth was 4%, so the volume growth was minus 7. Yeah. So degrowth virtually. That's a degrowth. The good bit, however, is that despite this high inflation, the headline growth was still there even in which implies that even a rural consumer spent 4% more. Of course, they did not spend enough to consume the same level of quantity because, you know, with your wallet being limited, you titrate it to spend more on essentials and less on discretionary. Now, that's what happened till the March quarter, for instance. Now you are seeing that the price growth is tapering off. And I believe by end of the year, the price growth in our books will more or less disappear on an average. But price growth tapering away, that means that the price are still elevated, but they are not increasing beyond the last year. And so it's remained at a higher level, but not further increasing. The real bounce back on volumes will happen when we start reducing the prices, which we've started doing in some cases, sure. yeah, like in detergent bars or in soaps. When you start reducing, it's not a linear equation that if you reduce it by 10%, your volume will go up by 10%. It doesn't happen because consumer behavior has changed. So it takes some time. 
plus their pipeline stocks as well. Pipeline stocks is also there. And uh, it takes time before the volumes come back. But the good bit, I believe, is because the headline value growth was still there, there will be a period where the price growth will come down. The volume growth will not commensurately go up. But I think in another couple of few quarters, we should start seeing the volumes moving up. Yeah? So that's where the picture is. But if the macro remains good, yeah, we keep growing at 6-7% and we have inclusive growth. Yeah, It's not... Uh, it should not be a growth that doesn't percolate down. And if we have inclusive growth, I see no reason why the FMCG story in India would not keep. But it's been a bit of a paradox, right? Because sales of SUVs in urban is all going up, but FMCG... You know, and that's where the K-shaped comes in, right? And that's where inclusive growth is so important. If you look at this period, there was a period when the larger car sales were doing very well. Very well yeah. Yeah. But the two-wheeler sales yeah. were down. Yeah. No. That's the reality, right? So it's not that people aren't feeling the stress. People at the bottom of pyramid have felt the stress. And I think we must applaud that during the COVID period, the government did the right thing. That helped alleviate the suffering. For us, with 60% of the population still in rural, the farm incomes are very important. The real wage growth is very important. Those are very important variables. And, of course, we have to create 10 million jobs every year. Just that's that's the map. Yeah. That's the map. Tree, what percentage of your sales are from rural? See, our sales are anywhere in the vicinity of one-third. And then also, we also cater to the urban poor Because we run across the spectrum. So that means you have different assortments yeah. in urban centers. We serve your store in. Yeah, yeah. Say if you go to a modern trade store and if you go to a grocery store in rural India, completely different assortment. Completely different. So, which is your next brand after Soap Excel that is going to cross the turnover, according to you? See, we have 19 brands. Yeah. Which are more than 1,000. I know. Yes. Yeah. And there are many brands which are in a very good state. Uh, we have a billion dollar brand. Then we have big business in Brookpond. Yeah, that's a fabulous brand. Then we have many brands which have crossed the 2,000 crore mark. Mm. And uh, yeah, difficult to predict at this stage. But 19 brands constitutes a large part of our business. These are the core brands. Mm-hmm. Are you yeah. concerned about uh, the big entry of Reliance into that space because they also have a strong digital footprint and can they mimic your strategy? Yeah, the way I look at it is India is not a zero-sum game. Our per capita consumption is $49. Thailand is 2x. China is 3x. Philippines is 4x India. The runway to grow is massive. And it really doesn't mean if someone is growing, I have to take it. That's one uh, very clear fact of Indian market. 
The second, I believe, is that a good competitor, we may always don't like the best in every market. We have seen over the years, yes. you know, whether it was Nirma, or during my days, Patanjali. Yes. Yeah. Um, and from a consumer point, competition is good for consumers. Yeah, it did give the freedom of choice to consumers. And uh, it helps propel more growth. So, yeah, they'll be formidable competitors. But I think we have our own distinct place in the consumer's mind at heart. And you're following the premiumization strategy yes, across very your very products, right? Because, you know, India is going to develop. Everyone aspires for better products. And if India is keep growing, consumers would crave for better products. So we are today over-indexed on premiumization compared to the market. So that strategy remains unabated. And that's going faster for you. Yes. And it's logical, right? Because people who have more disposable income are relatively resistant to slowdown. And we are we, we would be a small portion of the wallet spend. So, what big trends and opportunities do you see in the FMCG sector in the next five years? Well, you know, across, if you look at many things, if I have to pick up just two amongst the many, one is beauty. Beauty is still a very nascent categories in India. Yeah, if you just look at the number of skin products used by Indian consumers versus, say, some other developing countries like Thailand will give you an insight into how much more we can develop the beauty industry. Yeah. Or on the other hand, you look at packaged foods. True. If you look at the total consumption of food in the country, it's just about 10% is packaged. Mm-hmm. And with India, while we consume the gross calories required for our daily needs, we are seriously deficient when it comes to vitamins, minerals, micronutrients. Mm. So there is a huge role to play in the overall health and well-being of the consumers. But I must tell you that there is not a single category where we operate which is mature or which doesn't have room to grow. Even categories which are fully penetrated. Take laundry. Mm. Everyone washes the clothes. Yeah. Yeah? But from mass powders... Basically, move to enzymatic powders. From powders, you'll move to liquids. From liquids, you'll move to capsules. Yeah. From just cleaning, you'll move to adjacencies like uh, fabric conditioners. So it is, you're limited by your imagination, young lady. There's immense room to grow in the country. There were a lot of angst when, uh, you know, you had uh, raised the royalty element. And I would like you to explain the sure. rationale for that. And in the overall scheme, it's pretty small. Yeah, yeah, let me explain now. Let me give you a very simple example. First is, royalty consists of three large components. One is trademark, one is technology fees, and one is the service fees. Yeah. Now, our total royalty is going up by about 70 bits. And spread over three years. 
we have. So, gradually increase yes, your face. And uh, if you look at how the business model works, one of the things which allows us to win in India is first is product superiority. Yeah, in blind product test, you know, overwhelming superiority over our rivals. Second is innovate for India, yeah, for which you need research and development. We have got big R&D centers in India. We have a global R&D center in India. There are 700 technical and scientific people working over there, out of it more than 100 are PhDs. And these costs are not absorbed by us. These costs go to the center. In Bombay, Bangalore, Bangalore, Bombay, and Delhi. And this cost come back to us as a royalty. Yeah, whether trademark or technology, most of this is technology. Trademark is for use of global brands. Second is we get access to global brands and great brands. Yeah, brands like Tresme, brands like Dove, brands like Magnum. Third important bit service fees. You know, Unilever is a 60 billion euro company. It has a benefit of scale. Look at procurement. We are able to get the benefit of Unilever scale and size. Now, if we do not depend on Unilever, then we will have to set up our own organization to do many of the things. And we will still not get the benefit of scale, which Unilever does. Yeah. So we have done we have gone about this in a very transparent manner. We have benchmarked. We have seen that we get value. Our independent directors who are all men and women of repute who have approved it. And uh, people like Nitin and me, we have recused ourselves because we are interested parties and members of Global Executive Board. And so we have done the due diligence. And we believe, Vinay, this increase that we are is in the interest of both minority and majority shareholder. The lens that I have put over my 10 years running a listed company, that I am accountable not just to the majority shareholder, but to all the shareholders. So we believe it is in the interest of all shareholders and it allows us to win in the marketplace. With superior products. With superior products, innovation, and services which gives us a competitive edge and bringing in the global brands. Yes. So in your farewell note, you said minds to go before I sleep. What's of course. next for you, sir? Yes. Yeah. Right now, Arusa, I've got I've stopped at only two boards. I'm not accepting any more while they're in India. Whether I'm enjoying working and we have so much to do, we have to uh, regain the lost glory of India. And the second is I'm joining the Global Danone board, yeah. which is... Uh, Danone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is... The, the daily major. Yeah, which is a Paris-based. And because I wanted to keep my global perspective. And then I'm right now in the process of listening to people who come to me with various offers. And over the next couple of months, I will zero in on my fulcrum. And once I've done the fulcrum, then I'll decide how much more capacity I have. And then I'll take up something more. But I have to first determine, agree the fulcrum. But I'm looking forward with a lot of excitement to the next chapter of my life. 
Uh, they say, are you hanging your boots? So I say, no, I'm only changing my socks. Mm-hmm.